Faith Matters Podcast. I'm your host, John Morgan. This is the uh, podcast for Multi-Faith Matters, and I am the host, John Moorhead, and today I'm privileged to have as my guest, Lilith Starr, who thankfully is flexible in rescheduling. We were going to do this a little earlier, but uh, I had some challenges on my end, and but here we are. I'm going to read her bio from her book. Uh, Lilith Starr is the author of The Happy Satanist, Finding Self-Empowerment, and she is the recipient of the Satanic Temple's first Anatoly France Literary Excellence Award. Hopefully I pronounced that name correctly there. He holds a BA in English from Harvard and an MA in journalism from Stanford. And today we're going to be discussing her new book, uh, Compassionate Satanism, an Introduction to Modern Satanic Practice. And for those of you who are not just listening, but watching, if you're watching on YouTube, there it is right there. And uh, I always try and pick up the books of those authors uh, who I'm discussing so that I can be a little more informed in, in having this conversation. Lilith, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much. I'm quite honored to be on here. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to be here. You know, I like to start uh, these conversations on a personal note. What is your your personal journey? How did you, uh, you know, a lot of people can say, well, I was raised Jewish or I was born into a, a Buddhist family. But uh, I kind of think given the numbers uh, that you probably weren't born into a Satanist family. So what's your story? Yeah, considering that our religion was founded in 2013, I'm not quite that young. But um, yeah, so I grew up, um, my parents were uh, really super back to the land hippies. So um, I grew up without electricity or running water or a phone or any of that good stuff. Um, I'm quite fond of indoor plumbing uh, now that I'm an adult, (laughs) but um, yeah. So uh, we lived out in the wilderness, uh, first in Alaska and then um, in Northern California out there in the boonies. And um, my parents weren't really any particular religion. Um, I asked my mom when I was seven, I asked her, you know, is, is there a God? basically. And she said, um, some people believe there is, um, but you can, you know, choose your own path. Um, I actually got into Christianity very young, um, but I had some bad experiences. So um, I sort of left it behind. And I started following the Wiccan movement, which at the time... What time frame was this around? um, Let's see. So I was 11 when I became Christian and 12 when I um, became Wiccan. So I think it was 1984. Okay. Um, And, you know, Wicca was still very new. Um, So, uh, you know, I read what books there were and I started building a Wiccan practice and that lasted through my undergrad years at Harvard. And the interesting thing is, so I was Wiccan during the 80s. And, um, you know, I, I wore a pentagram um, just the other way around. <laughs> uh, 
And I didn't know that this thing called the satanic panic was happening. Mm. So, you know, I, I was just kind of clueless and I didn't know why people were so freaked out by my pentagram, but now I realize, you know, people believed that there were cults of Satanists, you know, abusing and killing people in rituals. Um, just some of the stuff they believe was really quite off the charts. So now I know why people were kind of freaked out. Um, so um, I was Wiccan at the beginning. I went through a phase of Zen Buddhism and um, I still uh, sit in meditation every day, but um, it's not particularly any kind of religion. Um, I just find it helps with my mental illness. Uh, I have pretty bad depression and anxiety. Um, so eventually I kind of had this self-created mix of Zen Buddhism and Wicca. I was following this mix of um, Wicca, sort of goddess-based, religion uh, and Zen Buddhism, which is very non-theistic, right? There's no superstitious or, you know, there's no deity, mm -hmm. anything like that. So what I was doing was much more um, like psychological to myself, as opposed to supplicating, um, you know, an actual deity. And then um, I, uh, I met my current husband, Burick, and I fell in love with him. And this was in 2010. So I was like 38, I think. I was really old to fall this deeply in love. And um, we left the little town that we were living in and we tried to move down to the San Francisco Bay Area, but we got there and we couldn't find housing. The housing is incredibly expensive. So um, we ended up actually homeless. We ended up homeless uh, on the streets for a couple days and then a friend paid for a motel. And during that time, um, my partner had a satanic Bible and I read it cover to cover and uh, it, it most of it really spoke to me. Um, and it uh, it gave me this sense that there wasn't necessarily something wrong with me. Like I, I'd spent my whole life thinking that because uh, I was really heavily bullied as a child. And mm. so I was convinced there was something wrong with me. And of course the depression doesn't help with that. Um, but so I read the Satanic Bible, which was basically about, um, you know, kind of seeing yourself as your own higher power. And that spoke to me. And um, for the first time, it really sparked my self-compassion and uh, sort of the notion that, you know, society itself was not all that put together either. Like when you're, when you're homeless, you just experience people treating you like you're a cockroach. It's, it's the hardest time of your life. And, you know, people just think you're a pest to be eradicated and, so reading that book really helped me reframe that. Like maybe it wasn't me, maybe it was that part of society. Um, and uh, eventually we moved up to Seattle. Uh, I was um, a very enthusiastic Satanist at that time. So my conversion happened in 2011. And um, we moved up to Seattle and I started writing for um, the Satanism Facebook page, which actually had a lot of followers and we ran it kind of like a magazine so i wrote articles and i eventually became the editor-in-chief um and then 
in 2013, I started hearing about the Satanic Temple. And um, I was really interested in what they were doing and in their ethical system, which I thought was way better than uh, Levain Satanism, Satanism mm -hmm. by way of the mm -hmm. Satanic Bible. Um, because that the Satanic Bible is it's based on ideas from Ayn Rand and social Darwinism and just this idea that you know the world is a super competitive cutthroat place and you got to take what you want and you know screw the week and you know I did get that self-compassion out of it but that's not really what I saw most people taking out of it um so when I encountered the satanic temple their um their tenets their ethical system I thought was way better it was really common sense things that a lot of people can couldn't believe in like compassion and justice um and the fact that people are fallible um and you know one of them has to do with believing in science which is you know something that is you know really uh you know there's a war over that as we speak today so um so i i saw those ethics and i really liked them and i really liked what the satanic temple was doing which was um you know wherever christianity um had kind of inserted itself into government um the satanic temple was there also saying okay well if you're going to let in one religion you need to let in all of them including us um so i really enjoyed that and um, eventually i i really wanted to help out more than just being um you know i had signed up to be a member on the website but there wasn't much to that so um i wrote in and i asked if there was a seattle chapter and they said no uh, but they did offer the chance for me to apply to start one. Uh, so I did that and I got accepted and I started that chapter in um, December 2014. So we were one of the first five chapters and we're now the second oldest continuously running chapter. Um, and I've seen the Satanic Temple grow from, you know, like when it the first year it was maybe six to eight people and now I think we're up to half a million members signed up anyway. So, um, you know, it's really grown and um, I had a really, uh, I had a great time building this community here in Seattle um, because I, I really was thirsty for that community. Um, I'm a very social person, but I had never find, found a group that I felt comfortable with um partly because of the bullying you know i have a darker aesthetic i'm kind of weird so um, there weren't too many places i i really felt like i belonged but the satanic temple was that kind of home that i've been looking for a long mm -hmm. time so is, i had yeah is it accurate to say that uh Levian satanism might be more uh geared towards the individual quest and the satanic temple is trying to self-consciously working more on the community aspect for satanists is that an, a fair statement um i would say it's fair on the side of the levain um 
belief system. Oh, sorry. But the Satanic Temple also uh, is very much into individuality. Okay. Um, it's it's an interesting mix because we mm -hmm. believe both in you know individual freedom and creativity and being yourself, uh, but we also believe that um, people can achieve the most um, and get the most out of life when they are part of a community, when they're working together. Like that's that's kind of what science is tending to show us is that we're social animals. Right. Um, so it's it's a mix of both with the Satanic Temple. Okay. How did uh, this current book of yours, Compassionate Satanism, come about? Was it, uh, did it kind of grow out of this desire to, to help out and, and maybe flesh out more about what, uh, not only for yourself, but for others as to what, you know, being a, a member of the Satanic Temple is all about? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so this book started life as um, a little guide that I put together for um, the Portland chapter of TST. I, I was kind of mentoring them and, and helping them start a chapter down there. And I thought it would be handy um, to kind of recount my experiences and you know give them a little how-to guide. Uh, because Seattle was such an early chapter, there was no um, international council or any governing body that helped guide the chapters. It was basically, you know, just, you know, figure it out, trial and error. Uh, so I figured I should probably pass on what I had learned through trial, trial and error um, to those people who are starting that chapter. Um, and then over time, there were a few things that drove me to want to make a whole book out of it. Um, one thing is I put my community guide on my blog online and um, I started hearing from a lot of other chapters and groups that had used those articles as a blueprint to create their own chapters. And so I thought, oh, well, this is, this seems like it's, are, are you still there? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry, this, computer, right. this computer is kind of old. Um, so I heard from people that it was useful and I thought, oh, well, you know, I'd like to get it to more people. Um, and then another thing was my first book, The Happy Satanist, was about my time as a Levian Satanist. And I felt like I wanted to have something out that was about, you know, my current Satanism, the Satanism that I had chosen um, so I wanted something about the Satanic Temple. And then third, I wanted to find out if, um, if I could write a book from start to finish, because the, uh, the Happy Satanist, my first book, was just a collection of essays that I had written um, and not, you know, a comprehensive beginning to end book. So, you know, I, I kind of wanted to see if I could write one. Um, and, uh, and also like what that process might look like. So I was kind of teaching myself um, at the same time as I was writing it. What kind of feedback have you gotten from readers so far? Um, so so far, most, sorry, go ahead. Have you, have you gotten much? Um, I've started to get more and more. Um, I don't do any advertising, so it's mm -hmm. mostly word of mouth um, and Facebook posts and stuff, but um, yeah. Almost everything has been extremely positive. Um, 
I've heard from friends and from strangers that like this was kind of the beginner's book that they needed and they were really happy that it was out there for, for people who were just starting to look into Satanism. Um, and, and that was really heartwarming. I did have, um, like, there, there were a couple sources of negative, you know, reviews or input. One was, um, there's a whole set of people that have left TST um, as disgruntled ex-members and they, they spend their time attacking TST. Um, I don't know why they don't just move on and make something positive, but yeah, they spend it, it a happens lot of in every tradition. Does it? Oh, oh. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yay. <That's true. laughs> so, um, let's see what, They've said things like, oh, it's a TST puff piece. Um, and then I also heard from a couple Satanists, uh, one of whom said, uh, you know, why don't you acknowledge Levain Satanism? That's the, you know, that's the base of all Satanism. Um, and if they'd actually read the book, they would see that I do mention it um, because Levain was the first one to really um, say, you know, yes, we are Satanists. People aren't just calling us Satanists. We, we claim that title. Um, but TST is not based on Levain Satanism at all. It's based on romantic Satanism that was uh, happening in the 1790s. So, you know, we use an older source. Um, but I do mention Levain Satanism and the Church of Satan. And then the other person was a theistic Satanist. Um, who said, you know, hey, not all Satanism is non-theistic or theistic Satanists as well. And again, I, I do mention that in my book. Mm -hmm. uh, but my book is not a comprehensive survey of all different kinds of Satanism that are out there because I don't, I mean, I've experienced with Levain, but not with the theistic side, you, you know, this this book is about my own personal experience. So, you know, while I do mention those kinds of Satanism, I'm much more uh, in depth about the Satanic temple. Um, right. since that's my path. So that's really the only um, negative feedback I've gotten so far. So well, that's yeah, that's, that's good. It's interesting yeah. how on, on the one hand you get uh, the, uh, theistic Satanists who are upset that you're uh, emphasizing the non-theistic Satanist part, whereas then you get Christians who assume that everything's theistic Satanism, and, you know, so yeah. everybody's got their assumptions that they're going with there. I, yeah. I will admit that I, I did kind of misread when I first saw the title of the book. I emphasized the title rather than the subtitle. When I saw Compassionate Satanism, my, I, my assumption was that you were articulating a particular vision of a form of Satanism that was trying to be proactive and compassionate. But then when you connect that to the subtitle and introduction to modern Satanic practice, are you kind of doing both? It's kind of a, as I look at it as an outsider, it's kind of a, an introdu introduction to here's what it's like to be a member of the Satanic temple and here's an overview. But at the same time, is it also trying to articulate that by doing this, you can be a compassionate Satanist? Yes, definitely. Um, and also that title, the first part, the compassionate part is, um, it's like a personalizing part of the title because for me, compassion is 
the highest goal, you know, in my life. Um, I, I sort of narrowed that down when I first fell in love with my husband. Um, and I realized that compassion had always played the biggest role in my life in terms of things that were positive that happened to me in terms of support, in terms of what made me feel happy and fulfilled. Um, and especially uh, Zen Buddhism and Buddhism in general emphasizes compassion as sort of the highest value. So I internalized that quite a bit uh, during my Zen Buddhism days. So that's kind of like the personal part of the title. And then the second part is, um, you know, basically giving an introduction to the Satanic Temple. And I struggled with the title for quite a while. Um, the problem is, like, to describe Satanic Temple Satanism, I mean, it's, it's not like you can just say Levian Satanism. Uh, we don't call TST Satanism Grievesian Satanism. Um, you know, Lucian Greaves is not, right, right. yeah, he, he really shuns the, you know, being a charismatic leader and having people follow him personally. So um, the, like the most um, accurate title that I could really think of was uh, modern non-theistic romantic Satanism, I think. I think I've got all of those descriptors in there, um, but that was kind of a mouthful to put on the title. Um, so that's why I, I reduced it down to modern non-theistic Satanism, or I think just modern Satanism, because we're definitely the biggest um, you know, satanic organization. Um, and then compassionate Satanism was my shorthand for what kind of Satanism that is. Um, it's specifically also um, compassionate really sets it apart from Levian Satanism, which is very much not compassionate for most people. Oh, and that was one of the other negative um, pieces of feedback I got was a Levian Satanist saying, if it's compassionate, it can't be real Satanism. So kind of in my mind, it was a, it was almost a deterrent. Like if you don't have compassion, I would rather you not be in my religion kind of, you know, um, and it is the Satanic Temple's first tenet, um, first commandment, I guess you might say. So that's where that came from. Okay. Yeah. It, uh, I had this week, I had a couple of colleagues at work who did, uh, stumbled across my podcast and oh, uh, were just yeah. astounded that, uh, you know, the types of people that I talked to and the subject matter. And I was giving uh -huh. a little promo and wanted to see what the reaction was going to be too. And I said, well, you know, uh, I'm getting ready this week. I'm going to be talking to the author of the book, Compassionate Satanism. And the look on their face was like one of, of shock. I, I, having worked, you know, as an author and editor myself, I know the challenge of coming up with a title. It's got to resonate with you, your audience, the publisher, hopefully somewhat with outsiders too, so that you can, you know, expand your reading audience. Yeah. Um, with a book like this, there's just no way the average Christian isn't going to read it anyway. But when they hear, you know, compassionate Satanism, it just causes all kinds of, of crazy uh, machinations <laughs> in the brain. Could, could you unpack that a little bit for, for readers who, who uh -huh. may not connect the dots between Satanism and the compassionate form of living life and living out of spirituality? How does that come together? 
Um, that's part of uh, what happened with the rise of romantic Satanism in the revolutionary period, like the 1790s and forward. Um, and that also, so that movement arose from um, a revolutionary enlightenment-based reading of um, Paradise Lost by John Milton. So um, when John Milton wrote Paradise Lost, it was accepted as a straightforward, you know, narrative of um, Satan's fall from heaven and um, the fall of man in uh, the Garden of Eden. But in the late 1700s, um, a bunch of writers and also visual artists started seeing um, the Satan in Paradise Lost as this sort of um, heroic figure who stood for um, equality and rationality and um, like brotherhood, you hear fraternity, equality, liberty. Um, and so all that stuff. Um, and so compassion was part of that value set that they kind of pinned on that character. Um, so obviously that's not at all the same character that is in the Bible. That's right that's absolutely evil, right? So most people have that in their mind when they think of Satan. But for us, we really draw on that archetype that the romantic Satanists um, not only um, sort of saw, but also, um, you know, they elaborated on that kind of a character um, and used it as an allegory for their own revolutionary thoughts. So it was a time at which um, the monarchy and the church were, were losing control and people had started thinking revolutionary thoughts. And, you know, the American Revolution was first and it really inspired um, these writers to think about, you know, how they might do that in their own countries. So that was one of the values that was in that value set. Um, you know, they were thinking of in terms like basically like humanism as opposed to divine right. So up to then the, you know, there had been kings and rulers that had been, you know, given their right to rule by the church. They were considered to be God appointed. And, you know, most people just lived in squalor and poverty and had to give most of what they created, you know, up the chain to the king. So that was start that began to be um, you know taken apart and unfortunately in a very bloody way in um, like France. Uh, but eventually most nations you know did move on to um, some form of democracy or a republic. Um, and so that's where we're drawing our conception of Satan from and that's where the compassion comes in. And um, you can really see it in uh, the Satanic Temple really only has one main uh, canon book, I guess you would say, and it's called Revolt of the Angels. And it's a pretty short satire novel. Um, and in it, um, one of the fallen archangels is describing uh, how Satan fell. And he explains that Satan and his angels fell to the earth and they experienced pain. Um, and instead of seeing that as a negative thing, Satan, you know, sits up and says, um, we should rejoice because in feeling pain, we now realize that other people feel pain and that we have compassion for them. Um, so that really 
you know, hit me. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what uh, what are a few of the takeaways that you would hope as an author that uh, your fellow Satanists would take away from the book? Um, I think one of the biggest is uh, the focus on individuality. And um, I mean, most most of us Satanists already do, um, you know, we, we generally tend to accept ourselves, but, but not always, especially if we've grown up in a family that doesn't accept us for, um, you know, like being gay or trans or any, any of that stuff. Um, I just, uh, I really like Satanists to understand that their diversity is a good thing. Um, and also that we can still maintain our diversity of viewpoints of you know personal uh, beliefs and at the same time work together um, and i also would love to see more satanists um, come out with uh if not like a big book um you know maybe a blog or a youtube series or i've i've seen um now uh there's a lot of TikTok artists that are mm -hmm. talking about their personal satanic practice or altar or whatever. And I just wanna see more and more Satanists open up about what they're doing because I believe that's really what Satanism is. We do have um, you know, this very small set of core beliefs and we have the narrative of Satan and the symbol of Satan, but beyond that, there's no, um, you know, there's no rules as to what your altar might look like or what you have to wear, um, you know, anything like that. So I would love to see more people open up about it and kind of normalize it um, both within our community, but also outside, you know, so, so people who aren't Satanists can kind of get more of a well-rounded view of what exactly <laughs> this kind of Satanism entails. Well, that, that leads to my, my next and, and uh, final question. Obviously, you wrote this as a Satanist, primarily for Satanists. Let's say that there are maybe a few open-minded Christians who pick up the volume, and uh, what would you hope they would take away from it? We, we, there are a host of stereotypes and misunderstandings, and hopefully conversations like this help correct some of that. That's what we're trying to model. What would you hope as an author, they pick up your book, what would you like a, an open-minded Christian to take away from it? Um, I think just primarily that um, a Satanist can be a good person um, <clears throat> and that Satanism can be a good force in the world. Um, and that um, like maybe I'd also like them to consider what it means to bring religion into government, right? Because that's something um, that we work a lot on. I, I think a lot of Christians don't necessarily realize that if they bring their religion into the public sphere, whether um, you know it's in legislatures or um, courts or schools, for instance, um, you know any of those places, um, we are a pluralistic society. We have freedom of religion and that means freedom for all religions. So if you're going to, you know, sort of impose um, your religion 
on the public sphere legally you know other religions will have that same right now whether that's actually protected in the courts is a big question because uh like government and precedents and the courts have have moved um quite a bit in the direction of dominionism um where basically christians want theocratic rule they want us to be a nation ruled by um you know christian beliefs and christian laws um so i don't know if that's always going to be protected but in theory we are a pluralistic society and so if they want to bring one religion in we're going to be there too um we had a case in uh oklahoma um there was a ten commandments um monument that was put on capitol grounds and we sued to place our monument of Baphomet, um, so it's like an eight foot tall um, statue of not, the, it's not a devil, although I think a lot of people misunderstand that it might be, but it's a figure from um, classical occultism that represents balance. Um, but you know, he's got horns and wings. And um, so we applied to put that there as well to balance out um, the Ten Commandments, so it didn't look like the government was pushing one religion. Um, and then um, the, uh, the Oklahoma Hindu Society, or um, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but, you know, a, a group of um, Hindu adherents um, in Oklahoma applied to put um, a big monument of Haraman, the monkey god, the Hindu monkey god on there. And so, you know, you can kind of see how if you open the door for one religion, you're going to just get a cacophony of, of many different ones, um, potentially. So I would like them to think, think a little bit more before they request government access for religion, basically. Um, well, yeah. Go ahead. Um, but mostly, uh, you know, I just, I'd love them to read it and come away with the realization that Satanists are people too. Um, we're not out here killing babies and eating them, you know, like some of the conspiracy theories uh, are suggesting. We're, we're here, um, you know, collecting warm coats for the homeless. Um, we just recently did a diaper drive here. Um, and then a beach cleanup where we invited the public to, to help us, uh, you know, clean up the beaches here in Washington. Um, and that's most of what we do, honestly, is um, community service. There are some uh, legal battles that are fought, but they're pretty much at the top level. Um, and the individual chapters, or uh, I guess we're going to be called congregations pretty soon. Um, you know, we mostly try to serve our community just just like, you know, a church would do. Mm -hmm. So we're not that different. Yeah, well, I, I have uh, enjoyed, uh, I kind of stumbled into my relationships and conversations with Satanists. I, I've uh, uh, studied uh, paganism for years and had those kinds of conversations. And then I started hearing more and more about the Satanic Temple and some of these uh, uh, public challenges of Christian privilege. And I thought, you know, I got to, I need to find out more. And somebody connected me to uh, Stephen Bradford Long and, 
And we've had some conversations and collaborated on some projects before. And now you and I are having a conversation. So I, I find it fascinating. And I, one of the things I really appreciate uh, about the Satanic Temple, whether or not you agree with the conclusions that are, that are coming about, is it, it's causing us, as Joseph Laycock uh, has said in one of his books, you know, looking at, at how it has challenged this notion of what religion is in the public square. And, and this type, kind of thing. So these are, are good conversations to have, even though uh, those of us who are on the side that have had Christian privilege and have uh, had the dominance for years makes us very uncomfortable, but these are the kinds of conversations we need to have. The alternative is we either have a naked public square where there's nothing but secularism, and there really is nothing objective about a naked public square, or we have a pluralist public square. And I think we have to work towards you know, uh, having that pluralist public square. And a part of that process is, is putting forward our best ideas, living out the best of our faith, trying to persuade each other and letting it all sort out. That's that's yeah. kind of where I come from. So yeah. I don't know if any of that resonates with you. Oh, definitely. I, I have to admit, I my sort of perception of um, Christians and especially evangelicals has been completely changed by meeting you. Mm. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I haven't bumped up against evangelicals in my personal life much, um, just in the legal battles that PST is fighting. And um, I was really both amazed and incredibly gratified to see you reaching out to other faiths, um, you know, keeping your own, um, but also being open-minded to listen to other people. And um, so I... Thank you so much for, um, you know, helping correct that misconception I had of Christians as, as closed-minded um, or possibly even dangerous. Like we, we do get death threats um, yeah, yeah. Uh, on a regular basis. So, so I really, you know, my perception has changed a lot and I think it's a lot more positive. Uh, because of what you're doing so well, I, I appreciate that we're but one of the things yeah. we're trying to do is uh that, that there are a handful of us in a network who have you know we're, we're confident in our convictions just as those people that we're dialoguing with are confident in theirs and yet there's also a sense of of humility as we go out and do that and so how can we how can we build on that how can we create within our own religious community and connect with others those that have confidence in their convictions and yet also uh, humility at the same time. I think that's the, the perfect mix that we've got to have. And unfortunately, there, there, there are a lot of, uh, shall we say, problematic elements in any religious community. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they get the most attention and make the most noise. Yeah. And uh, it's up to those of us who are trying to, you know, uh, model a different way forward to hopefully, you know, make an impact. And I appreciate that when I reached out to you, uh, here's this guy you've never heard of before. He's an evangelical. And he's got a podcast and he wants me to come on. You know, what What might I expect? But uh, I appreciate that you were willing to do that. And uh, it, yeah. it's helpful for folks to, to get to know you and if, get to know about the book and the work that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. We've, you know, our chapter has always tried to reach out to, um, to the various interfaith groups. Um, and I know like our SoCal chapter actually did, um, I think they did a, a food drive or um, some kind of big collection charity drive um, with their local church, one of the local churches. So they worked together on that drive. And I would love to see more of that happening, you know, um, 
both our religions, I think, have a mandate to help other people. Um, and like working side by side, I think can be really um, conducive to understanding. Um, we up here, we do, uh, we work at a big food distribution center that sorts and distributes food to all the food banks in the area. Um, and sometimes when we're there working, um, there's also a church there working um, and some really good connections and conversations have come out of that. You know, we, we see each other in this, um, you know, I'm gonna say compassionate, um, helpful setting um, and that helps break down some of those misunderstandings. So I would love to see more of that. And I'm really grateful for the work you're doing, not, not only you know, to help demystify Satanism, but all the other faiths that you've given a look, look at. And so thank you so much for all that work that you've put in. I, I know it must be a, a little hard sometimes within your own religion for people to kind of accept what you're doing. But I think if people actually go and, and see these conversations that you've worked so hard to bring to the table, um, I don't know, I think more minds might open a little bit. So. Yeah, that's that's the hope. Well, uh, I appreciate if, uh, please feel free once this podcast uh, is published to use it to promote your book, if you want to take clips from it or what have you. and. And put it uh, wherever you want uh, as some kind of video to help promote the work. And if there's anything I can ever do uh, within my circles to help bring uh, Satanists together with uh, Christians for respectful conversation, I, I would be more than happy to do so. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I I will be for sure be sharing this everywhere I possibly can because um, I think people need to know that there are people like you out there that are you know, not only open-minded, but, um, you know, facilitating this positive connection in so many ways. So, yeah. yeah. Well, my guest today has been Lilith Starr. And again, her book is uh, Compassionate Satanism, an Introduction to Modern Satanic Practice. And in the program notes that go with the podcast, there will be a link to that and to her, uh, uh, her website where you can find out what she is doing. And I would encourage folks to seek that out. Also, if you continue watching this video at the very end, it'll give a recommendation for other videos to watch. And I'll include the uh, conversation I had with Stephen Bradford Long. For those of you who would like more background about uh, the Satanic Temple and what uh, uh, say contemporary Satanism is all about that Lilith and I did not have an opportunity to go into because we were focusing on her book today. So I would encourage folks to seek that out. Lilith, again, I want to thank you for being a guest on the program and talking about your book. Absolutely. It was such an honor and quite a pleasure to chat with you. So thanks for having me on. Of course. Again, <laughs> this is John Moorhead. I am the host of the Multi-Faith Matters podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and watching. If you would take a moment and click like and subscribe and share it in social media, that helps us get word out so that we can do more of this. Until the next podcast. <laughs>